Welcome to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margot Jaco. Are you a clinician looking to find the balance between providing compassionate client care and business agility? This show will help with things you need to know to start or grow your practice and better serve your clients. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, all. So glad to have you with us today. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that I am really interested in and excited about. Not that I'm not excited about all of the topics we talk about, but I think many of the people who listen to us are also practice owners. And you know, it's kind of the therapy world equivalent of being the CEO or being in the C-suite. And that can be a lonely place. And we're going to dig into the how and the why, because for us practice owner people, this is like a new thing. This did not used to be a thing in the olden days because there wasn't really much of a group practice environment. So today we are so happy to have Nick Johnson. Nick is the co-founder and managing director of one of Asia's premier networking organizations, Executives Global Network in Singapore, a caring peer group community providing hundreds of executives a safe haven to share their challenges, receive support, and learn from each other. His passion for mental health and awareness through his lived experience paved the way for Nick to author his first number one international bestseller book published in April 2021. Congratulations, Nick. And it's called Executive Loneliness, The Five Pathways to Overcoming Isolation, Stress, Anxiety, and Depression in the Modern Business World. Boy, is that needed. Nick has worked across Asia, Australia, and Europe representing major international firms and is active in charitable and fundraising organizations to give back and support his local community, along with volunteering and fundraising for the Samaritans. SOS, a suicide prevention hotline in Singapore. Wow. Welcome, Nick. And thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much, Margot. It's a pleasure to be with you. And folks, Nick is very generously. It is 4 p.m. here in the Chicago area. It is 5 a.m. in Singapore. So what a good guy. Thank you for doing this with us. Very much appreciate it. No problems. Nick, I'm just curious, what made you write that particular book? Of all the books you could have written, what drew you to that? Well, I went through a personal uh, challenging time a few years ago, and I came out of it, luckily. I, and, you know, I wanted to share the story because there was some learnings in there. And I could feel and I could see that this could have gone a lot worse. And basically, I resigned from a job. I went through a divorce. I moved to another country. I lost appetite for exercising. I gained weight. Uh, I didn't look after my diet. And it was basically a gradual uh, downward spiral. So over two, three years, I lost my myself. And I managed to come back. And that comeback was pretty quick. And I, I'm really well today again. Uh, but as I said, it could have gone another way. And and at that time, I had a friend of mine who didn't come back, and he died of suicide. And that's oh, why no. I wanted to elaborate in the book. And the book is also then written in his name um, as a memory of him. And I wanted to share this story. So it's basically looking at my my journey versus his journey and trying to identify what was it that made him go the whole way uh, to die from suicide while I managed to come back. Wow. That's a really compelling story. So you were writing very much from your own personal experience of 
loneliness. I mean, your whole life turned upside down and inside out and went through the ringer and, you know, any other unpleasant analogy we can come up with. And you brought yourself back, but you also witnessed what happens when you don't or when you can't. So this is in part a guide to help people not end up in the situation that your friend did or even in the situation that you did. That's right. And the day when my friend died, I was one year into my own recovery. I managed to got all the support through therapy, through anonymous support group and medical attention. And I got all the support I needed because I dared to be vulnerable and ask for help at that time. That was the lifesaver. I got the help that is, of course, available everywhere around us. I got that support. And after one year, uh, I had started to feel comfortable to talk about this then with my close family. I felt comfortable talking about my journey in a in a basically a confidential anonymous environment but when my friend went that's when I actually made a video on LinkedIn that went viral all around the world that's the day I signed up then as a volunteer for a suicide prevention agency I wanted to raise funds and awareness for this course and I couldn't believe how many people would write to me you know within the, even the first 24 hours say good on you Nick for talking about this I was completely overwhelmed and uh, the, even the radio station called me and I went live on the biggest radio station in Singapore. And then that was followed by a four pages feature uh, in, in the business press here. And that was until today, the biggest mental health piece ever published uh, in a business press in this country. So that's when I realized I was onto something. I was talking about something that no one else wanted to speak about because they were not comfortable. And that, of course, fueled me uh, to want to go further. Oh, congratulations. And definitely good on you, Nick. I mean, the fact that you were able to take your own really hard struggle, and you were able to admit, as an executive, as a man, that you felt vulnerable, that you were in trouble inside. Phenomenal. So certainly in our in our world of, you know, we deal a lot with mental health uh, practices and Uh, business owners who are also mental health professionals, we definitely understand the need and, and just the, you know, it's, it's a need. It's not a want. It's a need to be able to understand our vulnerability and to talk about it. And I think part of what ends up sort of vexing practice owners in particular is that we're used to being very relational people and having people we could talk to and say, I'm really struggling. I'm having a hard time. And when you're in that C-suite seat, you don't have those people. It's not appropriate to talk to your clinical director, to talk to your the people below you, or, you know, our org chart is kind of an inverted, you know, with me at the bottom holding, you know, holding things up, but you can't really talk to the people at the next level. So when you talk about executive loneliness, I'm kind of thinking of it as practice owner loneliness, or it might be clinical director loneliness. But when you're talking about executive loneliness, what exactly are you meaning by that? Well, basically, it goes back to the good old saying, it's lonely at the top. And uh, I actually found it's true. If you think of an organization as a hierarchy, then you have perhaps a general director at the top, and then you have vice presidents and so on. 
if you compare that with being a middle manager, perhaps the, uh, this, even in a small company, there might be 10 people at a similar level, 10 people who are, have uh, similar tasks, who do similar duties day in, day out. They can perhaps have a chat, have a coffee or talk about their work. But for you at the top, you're the only one who do those tasks. So you really cannot talk about everything and some things need to be confidential. Most likely the, the biggest uh, decisions and so on need to be held by you you cannot share it with the staff uh, so therefore it can be very lonely and what i found it is is just having other people who give you that sympathy who just can tell you oh yes i i know what you're saying i i'm going through the same we as human beings need that so what i have found here then is that it can also be in business owners and during the pandemic our peer groups at the time in singapore was for C-suite. So only senior executives for big companies, medium companies. But it was such a demand from business owners, small business owners, even one one or two staff even, that they said, we also feel lonely. Can we do peer groups for them? We have now 100 uh, entrepreneurs and business owners uh, in peer groups here in Singapore as well. Uh, and also, by the way, I should say, I interviewed a lot of the therapists for my book. Uh, so I could see that they also were going through a challenging time during the pandemic. Nick, I'm, I'm glad you're talking about that. Even with the independent practice owner, which many folks who listen to us are also just independent practice owners, there isn't that community. People don't have their tribe. And again, during COVID, so many people lost their tribe. You know, every human was considered a biobomb. So we didn't have those same kinds of resources that we did before. But clearly what your experience is telling you in Singapore is people are starving for this and probably have been for a long time. You just recognize the need and did something about it. And my gosh, I mean... So yes, the, it's lonely at the top. We're the ones where the buck has to stop. We have to make the big decisions. And that can be a really difficult place. And since I own the company, it's even harder because it feels a little bit like it, it's my baby. And why don't you, you mean you don't love my baby? I mean, for crying out loud, it can be really difficult from that perspective. So absolutely. So what do you see from your experience? Because you've interviewed, it sounds like lots of folks around these kinds of issues, what do you see are the, the biggest, like the top three pressures of being an executive or in the C-suite or an owner? Most challenging part is that you might not feel that you have someone who's going through the same thing. As human beings, that sympathy by just knowing that someone else is going through a challenging time as well, that seems to be the most important. And there's a few ways you can get that you can get that by belonging again then to a confidential peer group or something like that where you are with other business owners uh, and you get that sympathy because you can feel that they're going through the same thing but what i also think you can do is if you volunteer for a charitable organization then you also get outside of your own ego and you start seeing uh, by helping others you then realize that it's not only you who's going through a challenging time it's also other people who are struggling so i think that is the the most important thing here is really really to get out and 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 around human beings it's about not isolating yourself and that's why you know the the pandemics with uh, working from home and uh, breaking down this and not being able to meet in person that is a huge challenge in this and it's that about not feeling to be understood uh, and not feeling like you don't belong there's no one who understand me and it doesn't matter if you are a c-suite with 5000 staff or you're a business owner we all have that need as a human being i would say that is 
number one, and perhaps we can start with that, Margot. Oh, I love that. That's great. So this idea that everyone wants to be deeply understood. When I'm working with couples, that's one of the things we start by talking about is, especially the person who is our partner, we want to be deeply understood. Our therapist needs to deeply understand us. It's part of what makes us appreciate our friends. So this idea of being deeply understood is so important. And if you're kind of lonely at the top, and you can't really complain to your peers. So two things. One is, yes, find another group. And there are some groups in the Chicago area. And folks, I know there are people across the country who listen to this. And perhaps maybe in Singapore, that would be fun. Finding a group of people who are in a similar industry if possible. But if not, it sounds like they don't have to be. But people who can deeply understand the struggle. Um, maybe it would be other business owners, maybe it's other C-suite executives, but finding someone who can deeply understand and where you can just have that offload. There are those groups in the Chicago area, folks. I hope there's somewhere you are as well. So the other thing you mentioned, though, Nick, was what about volunteering somewhere, like getting out of your own head, getting out of your own circle and just doing something charitable for somebody else? How does that help with executive loneliness? I think the best here is the combination. If you can have both, then you really cover yourself. So you have your professional network where you can actually also get support and help with some of your business challenges. Some people who've been there before who can guide you so you get that professional understanding. But yes, being of service in your community is something that is always needed. And it doesn't matter where you go, you will find something in your neighborhood or what I do even when I go on a holiday these days, I'm looking up normally a rehab or some place and I'm trying to come there to give to share my story and see if I can be of service because that means also that even my holiday is becoming a bit more meaningful. And I normally take more away from that experience than being on the beach or doing something else. So I think we really, really especially as business leaders and as executives, we tend to think that uh, we are the most important and perhaps a little bit too much up ourselves. So therefore, you know, deflating your ego by being of service to others, I found is mm-hmm. the best way. Mm, I love that, right? There's, there's always a need. You can never run out of ways to help. That's great. So how would you say that executive loneliness is different from just regular old everyday loneliness? Well, executive loneliness is about the workplace, then it's about not feeling understood inside your workplace, you know, feeling that you are a bit isolated. And I have felt it enormously as I worked in, you know, Vietnam, Indonesia, Thailand, countries where I couldn't speak the language, I couldn't really understand the culture. And then being the leader, and in my biggest role, I had 1400 staff in the company, and I was the general manager there, managing hospitals and clinics and so on. And there was many times when you don't understand them and they don't understand you. So you naturally start to feel isolated. Um, so that is, you know, very, very challenging loneliness in the sense that, you know, the company relies on you and you feel so much pressure that you don't, just don't know who, who can you talk about this because you paid to do the job, you expected to have the answers. And yet, you know, you feel such a huge pressure. And that's when I started to go downhill because I didn't get that support. I should have raised my hand and tried to found, you know, or create a circle of trusted peers, or I should have perhaps seen 
a mentor. I should have got a business coach. I should have done something. But I was grinding through this instead. And what I did was uh, going to the pub after work and uh, have some drinks instead. That got basically me a little bit relaxed. But that was a downward spiral. And before I knew it, that became my habit. And a year later, that also took my health away from me. So that is what I mean with executive loneliness, uh, as opposed to everyday loneliness, which can be felt at home or in, in normal life. Mm -hmm. Right. It's the loneliness of not having people to talk to and also the pressure, which sometimes we don't recognize our own selves because you just got to get it done. You just got to do the grind. You just got to get it done. So is there an example? I mean, you told a little bit about your story. But as you were researching this book, is there any other example that sort of sticks out for you that you can share with us? Yes. Uh, and let me share the story of a woman who uh, was at the time a managing director uh, for a big international bank. So here's a powerful woman who is succeeding in a man's world. Let's put it that way. She typically was the only one in the boardroom. She had worked her way up. And on the outside, it looked like she had everything going for her. She had, a, you know, the perfect life. Uh, she had a car. She had uh, two children in private school. And here in Asia, they had their, their own nanny and, you know, belonging to the best gym and uh, everything really what everyone is striving for, uh, at least over here where people want to get things. So everyone was looking up for her. Uh, but when I met her and I interviewed her for the book, I could sense that something was not quite right. She started to share that she felt quite isolated. She said that uh, she had been elbowing her way to the top to get to this place. She cared more about getting the promotions, hitting the targets than being a good colleague to her team. She was typically sitting by herself having lunch in the office, just having a salad when the team went out for lunch. They had stopped inviting her. And she basically felt quite isolated and lonely because the bosses uh, uh, she would only see perhaps once a week or once uh, every second week for a meeting. But her team was all around her, but she didn't even feel a part of her own team as a leader. So that was basically what she shared with me during our first talk. Then the next week I received a message from her. She said, can we meet again? I want to share something else. And I went to see her. And she said, Nick, I rehearsed my own suicide twice. Oh, no. Yeah. So that's what she shared with me. And she started to cry immediately. And I was quite shocked because here, you know, she shared something very powerful with me. And I, and I asked her, you know, does anyone know about this? She said, no. So here I was, you know, receiving this news and um, she spoke about it. She basically explained that uh, she had had a cosmetic surgery on her face uh, after an accident earlier. And that made her lose a lot of confidence. Uh, at home, she had dared her husband to, uh, to leave her because of the result of this. And in the office, she had become even, as she said, uh, bitchier. She had really been trying to go for the promotion and, you know, again, uh, start screaming at the staff in the office and things like that. And she really didn't like the person she had become. So that's the stage when she even, you know, looked up the place and the, even the time and rehearsed her own suicide twice. And she was just waiting for the, the moment when she was going to do it. Of course, when she shared this with me, 
this was the start of her recovery journey from this because just like my story when I started to share what I was going through by just speaking it out for the first time the recovery came very quickly to me and luckily in this case that happened here as well so she already started to feel better the fact that she had shared it with another human being in this case me she promised me and she took action on it she she spoke to her local therapist who invited her husband uh, quite immediately after this and they three spoke about it and they have now continued this recovery journey and she has taken some time off from work now to really work on herself to find herself and she is in a very very good place uh, so that's one case uh, which is called part of my book and there's plenty more of them mm, wow that's a really powerful story obviously nick i mean the fact that she called you back and was able to talk about the fact that she was feeling suicidal and, you know, that this, the loneliness can get to that level. The pressure can get clearly to that level. And I don't know that we necessarily think about that as often as we need to, about the pressure cookers that many people in workplaces are in, especially in upper management. You know, we think, well, they've got it all. They've got all the good things. They get all the money. They get all the trappings. You know, they get the good stuff, but they get all the pressure and the responsibility. I think practice owners can relate to that part. You know, we have all the pressure, all the responsibility for taking care of so many people, making sure they're getting what they need and making the business run. So I can imagine for this woman in your book and probably many others being able to talk about it clearly was a huge, huge deal. So so you're saying get involved, have a group, make sure you can articulate what's happening inside of you. And so what are some ways that you would say executives can emerge even stronger? Well, I would say that it has to start at the top here because uh, the leader of an organization need to lead by example and being vulnerable. So in this case here, back to the woman who I interviewed for the book, she would never have shared this with me unless I had been vulnerable first. There was already my articles uh, in the newspaper. I had already shared my full story uh, on radio. So it was out there. So she felt that sharing her story with me was okay because she felt safe. So that is what you need to do as a leader in an organization. If you want your colleagues and teams to be vulnerable with you, so you want someone to come and knock your door when they are really, really feeling off the weather and share that with you, then you have to be vulnerable first. And let's go back to this woman because I can share with you what happened after this. Uh, she had not yet shared her story with her teams. So her staff uh, and the bosses, uh, they didn't know that she had been going through this. But when my book was out and her story was in there anonymously, she bought copies for all her team members. And this was during the lockdowns. Uh, so they, they had a Friday meeting online where they basically were, were uh, talking like an all-hands meeting when they were sharing. So she sent the book, uh, a copy of the book to all of them. They read it and they didn't know when they read it that it was about her. But in this meeting, she shared with them, by the way, the, the story you read there about the woman who practiced her own suicide, that was me. And all of them were completely shocked, completely blown off the weather. And uh, what happened after that was that it was the most beautiful time, she said. Even her boss, a very senior gentleman, shared with her that he also had gone through something similar. There was a staff who felt really bad, who lost uh, who lost basically the eyesight due to stress and pressure during the lockdowns and this staff dared to speak up and explain about this so it opened up the, the culture 
and basically the environment of her whole team. So that is what I mean with if you want executives to emerge stronger, the top person need to be vulnerable and lead by example, like in this case of the woman. Hmm, I love that. So I think that's very applicable to our industry too, Nick, right? Because this is something that practice owners struggle with. We are very relational people, but simultaneously it's finding the right edge, the correct edge of where we can be vulnerable and talk about how hard things are and not feel like we always have to carry that for everybody else. Even having those conversations with our teams. I love that. So if you had to talk about, and I'm sure there are so many, Nick, but what are like the top three things that you discovered while you were exploring this topic? Well, as I was looking into it, I, I didn't only interview people. I also did a survey and I, w- I was studying and researching uh, statistics on loneliness around the world. And basically, I found that uh, 33% of people or adults globally were suffering from loneliness. That was uh, by Statista in 2021. In Singapore, the executives I surveyed, 30% suffered from loneliness. So I realized that this is it's in line with the global numbers. But then came the pandemic, and I was right in the middle of writing my books. I thought I better check in now. So I did the same survey again, and the numbers had doubled to 59% during the pandemic. So wow. that means that, that this is actually proof that the executives were suffering a lot more uh, uh, by loneliness during the pandemic. So that is one finding that I thought, you know, this really stands out. Then the follow-up question was to them, would you share this with someone in your company? So you, you're now not feeling well. Is it someone you can talk about this in your company? 84% of them said no. This was not something that they are willing to share inside the company. Isn't that uh, exactly the, challenge, the issue here that we are talking about, Margot? That is it exactly. That's right. And, you know, I think to your point, Nick, I was writing myself a little note here, excuse me, that practice owners, re- we need to be aware of our own level of loneliness right? All executives do. We need to be aware of our own level of loneliness. And we also need to try to help those people who are next in line from us, whether your organizational tree goes up like ours or down like somebody else's. We need to be aware of that and set the stage for people to have that level of vulnerability, to have that level of support. And we lead by example. So I think that's fabulous. So Nick, what is a one thing that you really want everyone listening to this podcast to take away with them today? Well, everyone will have something on their mind that is painful, or most people at least will have something on their mind that they just have that feeling that it's either keeping them awake at night or it's giving them that stress. And I would say, write it down on a paper and think about who can I share this with. Share this with uh, means uh, not necessarily immediately thinking about a solution for it, but just someone to speak about it. Uh, And there will be so many people. There are anonymous hotlines for almost everything these days. There's support groups who are anonymous who you can go to and share about your challenges. And it doesn't matter if it's alcoholism or gambling or uh, sex addiction or whatever problems people may end up with, there is support there. There is also, of course, therapists. And I was saying before uh, the pandemic, most was in person. Now you can do many of these sessions online. So the barrier and you can still do it in your private home or in your office without people realizing that you have a session. So that is my 
uh, takeaways and one message is that find someone to talk about your issues with because then the problem is halved right away. Yeah, I think that I love that. Find someone to talk about this with. And it may be a therapist. Many therapists have their own therapist, but we know it's been really hard since the pandemic to find people to, you know, to see for therapy. But find a consultant, find a coach, find a mentor, find somebody, anybody that you can talk to about it. I think that's fabulous, fabulous advice. Well, Nick Johnson, thank you so very much for being our guest today. I love chatting with you. I love the fact that these, you know, just listening to these issues, they're universal around the world, literally like around the world. These issues are universal. And I think books like yours really help us understand that and to understand that our loneliness is not unique to us, but it is important to us. We need to make sure that we're paying attention to that and that we have those support networks. We need them as therapists just as much as everybody else does. So Nick, what a courageous journey you've been on. What a wonderful book you have written. You are spreading the word. I really, really appreciate that. I would love to have you come back sometime if you're up for being up again at 5 a.m. to come and talk to us, um, just to hear about more of what you're doing and, and what you're discovering as you go on with this work. I think it's critical. This is such important work. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Margot. And it'd be my pleasure to be back as well. That would be fabulous. Well, folks, thank you all so much for joining us today. Thank you, Chris Pertel, our fabulous producer. We will so look forward to having you with us next time. Be well. You've been listening to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast with Dr. Margot Jaco. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss an upcoming episode and head on over to the mentalhealthbusinessmentor.com website for resources and additional information. Thanks so much for listening and be well.